You can sit down any time you like. Priest etiquette. Never sit before you're asked. Sit down then. Don't I come over too eager? But best to hover at the door. You learned that your first week in the seminary, Bobby. Come on. Bit of a break from smoking the Bible, eh? Why? Anyone work out which book is the best smoke? We only smoke the Lamentations. <laughs> right, miserable cigarette? Nice room. Very clean. Where is it you're from again, Don? Born, you mean? Bally go backwards. Oh, the city dog. Bally Roberts. We play south of Bally Money. Kilray. I remember a homily you did at Mass one time. Oh, will you listen to it? Sure, the man holds you in very high esteem. I can feel a dig coming on. You're very quick. Right. Now you respect that you know that. But I like those stories you tell about the countryside. A childhood of poaching, robbing apples, stampeding cattle. Fine education for a priest. Priest working in West Belfast, that is, yeah. Stampeding comes in handy down the Falls Road. Or you see hate me. You miss it, though? What? Countryside. I should get home to see my wee brother every month or so, but... Uh, aye, I miss the usual. Clean air, space, all that. Feels closer to who you are. Aye, well, it is. No question. Something like a fish out of water working in a big city like Belfast, but uh, it's a job, isn't it? Stop looking around at your surroundings quick enough when you figure your business is the business of the soul and all. Business of the soul? Ah, you know what I mean. Learned that in the seminary too? Aye, and you can use that free of charge. Go on. Well, I suppose what I'm saying is... You get on. Kill Rick and wait till I'm an old man. Too many scoundrels to be saved in Belfast anyway. Busy work, aye. Should God reward you in heaven? And I'll be thankful. Once there's wine involved. So what's your wee brother do back home? He's a parish priest. He's a sneaky wee bastard. You know the sort, Bobby. Still goes poaching? Poaching jobs. And he's younger than me by eight years, all right. Go on. Well, as a cleric, I work in a parish beside Kilray, wee hole of a place. I'm working me arse off. Has called to the elderly, mobile confessions. The glamour stuff. Oh, aye. So, anyway, position comes up at Gilray. Right. And I'm passed over for some reason or other. No reason, probably. Taking too much cake off the old ladies. Probably. So? So about five years later, position again comes up back home at Gilray. And my brother, Michael, waltzes right into it. Fuck. He's made parish priest at 28. More spiritual, probably. Less lippy than you. Mm-hmm. He worked the bishop. He's a golfer. He's a pushy little twerp, is what he is. At least you're not bitter. Oh, no, I couldn't be that, no. Parish priest at 28? Fantastic. Mm. He's two cars. And the house he has is massive. He's a maid, a cook. I'm stuck in a two-up, two-down. With a fat carry man who drones on and on about Gaelic football. Can we stop talking about this? Jesus, you're the one who's talking. Mm. How's your smoke going? Grand. Mm, filthy habit. Disgusting. Oh, I awful. Lovely, though. 
Hi, praise the Lord. <laughs> 28th. My God. Oh, stop it. So what happened to your eye, Bobby? What? You gotta dig for yourself, your eye. Difference of opinion. There's mm. the other fella. Well, not worse. Leave me. So, what did you call me here for? Well, is that the idle bad over with? Priest etiquette. Start with the small talk. I'm learning a lot about the priesthood, though. Mm. You'd make a fine priest. Why? Good talker, not a principal, leader of men. Political theorist. The church loves a reformed crook. Aye. I always felt that thief next to Jesus got off lightly. Ah, but he recognized his sins. Did he, though? Aye. Said as much. Well, you're home from across, you're going to say anything. Jesus offers him a seat next to his daddy in a place called Paradise. You know, he's going to put your hand up and have a piece of that. Aye. Even when it's nailed to your cross. <laughs> Jesus Christ. That's sacrilegious. Sacrilegious? Aye. No, no, no. He was a dirty thief. So, what do you want to tell me? Where are you at? Been driven mad by that governor yet? See this negotiating lurk? It's been a sideshow. I'll tell you that for nothing. But you understand why you need to do it? Because we're no longer good propaganda. According to who? The leadership? Time has come. Decision had to be made. You think that's what the leadership think? Maybe, I don't know. A bit paranoid there, Bobby. 10,000 people marched for the Seven Hunger Strikers last October, right? Right. International pressure on the Brits and all that. Busy time. Even the Pope's having a say, getting involved. The whole world trying to get Maggie Thatcher to back down and give us her demands, but it all came to nothing. Right. Hunger strike failed. We're on the front line. We created the protest. It's our responsibility. Leadership has been very clear to me, Dom. Four and a half years of the no-wash protest, as much as it's highlighted republicanism to some extent, it's also distracted from the wider development of the organization. That's because your needs are specific needs. Of course they are. Some woman bringing up three children in West Belfast shouldn't care about civilian-type clothing or whatever the fuck they're calling these clown outfits. I saw them. Honest to God, Don. We were promised our own clothes. It's childish skullduggery. So the leadership have had enough of you? In the ideal world, we'd be fighting our battles independently, but we're tied. Nothing's changed in here. Nothing's moved on. The leadership are stuck with us until there's some realistic chance of movement towards political status. That's the hard truth of it. See, to get me to negotiate with these lying, reneging monkeys when there's never nothing on the table, it's just pure crap. I'm not going to be marched into this governor's office and get caught up in some mindless, pointless dialogue with that pompous bastard. He's a big fan of yours. Thick as two short planks, Dom. A moron. Can you believe they made him governor, though? It's a bloody insult to humanity. Mother of Jesus, where do you get your energy from? As a cross-country runner, as a boy. Could have guessed it. Big engine on you. Cross-country running. Explains a lot about you, Bobby. Why well, not? That's all right. That's the whole country thing for me. Jesus, they'd have to hold me back at the finishing line and keep on running. Little scraps who are mongrels from out of the city. Frightened of cattle and all. It was a funny time. Frightened of cattle? Oh, I terrified of them. Think you could get milk and burgers from them monsters? Jesus Christ. The next time round, I'll be born a countryside, guaranteed. Wildlife, birds. And of all that, price. Aye. 
And you could learn to relax, too. Aye. Maybe. Never know. Never tried it before. I'm starting a hunger strike on the 1st of March. That's why you're here. That's what I'm telling you. Aye. I heard that. Does your family know? I got word out to them, I. I've spoken with them. Got a visit in two weeks' time. We'll talk then. How do you think they'll take it? What do you think, Tom? And your wee boy. So what makes it different from the last time? Last hunger strike was flawed. It became emotional. Seven men started at the same time. They all got weak and they couldn't let the weakest one die, which left us susceptible to being conned by the Brits. And that's exactly what we were, conned. This time out, the men will start consecutively two weeks apart. Somebody dies, they'll be replaced. There's no shortage of us. 75 men have put their names forward. Oh, for Christ's sake. The announcement's being made today. So what makes this protest different is that you're set to die, Bobby. May well come to that. You start a hunger strike to protest for what you believe in. You don't start already determined to die, or am I missing something here? It's in their hands. Our message is clear. They're seeing our determination. So it'll take a couple of deaths, do you think? Maybe five or six? But you're there 75 of you. I will. It won't come to that. All right, maybe the Brits will buckle after 20 or so. But why should you care? Because you're already dead, right? Have you thought about what you're going to be putting these boys through? I mean, putting aside what's going to happen to these poor men's families. You're going head to head with a British government who clearly despise republicanism, who are unshakable. They can easily live with the deaths of what they call terrorists. And the stakes are much higher this time. I know that. And if you're not even willing to negotiate, you're looking for them to capitulate. Is that it? Right. So failure means many dead men, families torn apart, and the whole Republican movement demoralized. Aye. Worst case scenario, it might well mean all that. But short term, out of the ashes, guaranteed there'll be a new generation of men and women. Even more resilient, more determined. Look who you're talking to. There's a war going on. I thought you might understand. You're talking like a foreigner. You're talking to me like I'm a foreigner. You think I don't know Northern Ireland? I live here, man. Then support us. I supported the first hunger strike on the basis it was a protest. Not some pre-designed to die and balk at negotiation other than complete surrender from Thatcher. That's ridiculous, Bobby. It's destructive. What, what, what's happening here for the last four years? The brutality, humiliation, our basic human rights taken away from us. All of this has to come to an end. Through talking. So what? We take their offer and put their uniform on, because the last four years have meant nothing. We could do that, no. Or we could behave like the army we proclaim to be and lay down our lives for our comrades. Is there not even a small party that's hoping for a breakthrough that, that could find you negotiating again? That won't happen. Right, forget about that. I want to know whether your intent is just purely to commit suicide here. You want me to argue about the morality of what I'm about to do and whether it's really suicide or not? 
For one, you're calling it suicide. I call it murder, and that's just another wee difference between us two. We're both Catholic men, both Republicans. But while you were poaching salmon and lovely kale ray, we were being burnt out of our house in Rathcool. Right. Similar in many ways, Dom, but life and experiences focused our beliefs differently, you understand me? I understand. I have my belief, and in all its simplicity, that is the most powerful thing. So what's your statement by dying? Just highlighting British intransigence? So fucking what? The whole world knows what the Brits are like. Good. I, it is good, and it's nothing to do with you. The Brits have been fucking up everything for centuries. I can feel your hatred, Tom. No. Oh, you looking for martyrdom? No. You sure? Aye. Because I've heard you eulogising Wolf Tone, Connolly, McSwinney, all them men. Can't help thinking you're writing your name large for all them history books. Because you think that matters to me? Oh, aye. I know it does. Well, you're wrong. You see, you soldiers, it's all about the freedom. But you've got no appreciation of life, Bobby. You no longer know what a life is, you man. Four years living in these conditions, no one expects you to be normal. There's nothing normal about you. Right now, the Republican movement has talked itself into a corner. You IRA are standing right behind it, looking into that corner. All that history, all them dead men and women, you're still seeing nothing. When your answer is to kill everything, you've blinded yourself and you're scared to stop it. Afraid of living. Afraid of talk and peace. So what would Ulster be if it wasn't turning itself to shit? And this situation here, that the future of the Republican movement is in the hands of you men who have lost all, all sense of reality. You think your head's on right? Locked up in here 24 hours a day and pissing shit. And you are making decisions that I could see so many men die. Build a statue to Bobby Sands. You're joking me. Freedom fighter. They're the men and women working out there in the community. And that was you once upon a time. Am I right? All that work you did in Twinbrook. That's where we need you, Bobby. And you know I'm right. But I'm deluded. You want me to answer that? They're beating you, Bobby. You're playing into their hands. The strategy's in place. Then stop it. Just say stop. You don't understand a thing. You're in no shape to make this call. It's done. It won't be stopped. Then fuck it. Life must mean nothing to you. God's gonna punish me. Well, if not just for the suicide, then he'd have to punish you for stupidity. Aye. And you for your arrogance. Because my life is a real life, not some theological exercise, some religious trick that's got fuck all to do with living. Jesus Christ had a backbone. But see them disciples, every disciple since, you're just jumping in out of the rhetoric and dead-end semantics. You need the revolutionary, you need the cultural political soldier to give life a pulse, to give life a direction. That's stupid talk, you're deluded. Aye, so you say. Yeah, how much are we son gonna say? Fuck off. Doesn't that interest you? You're going to attack me with sentiment? Typical priest. What's your heart saying, Bobby? I thought you'd be all figured out, Dom. What's it saying? Tell me. My life means everything to me. Freedom means everything. I know you don't mean to mock me, Dom, so I just let all that pass. 
This is one of these times when we've come to a pause. It's a time to keep your beliefs pure. I believe that a united Ireland is right and just. Maybe it's impossible for a man like you to understand. But having a respect for my life, a desire for freedom, an unyielding love for that belief, means I can see past any doubts I may have. Putting my life in the line is not just the only thing I can do, Don. It's the right thing. This is why you called me here. You need a sounding board. Not 100% sure of yourself. Been dating yourself, maybe. I. Well, only a human. And I've made it clear for you, then. Man of guidance, Don. Business of the soul. You've been to Guidor in Donegal. Aye. I went there when I was 12. Big cross-country race for the boys. And we're all in the back of a minibus headed towards Derry one morning. I mean, this is big time. Now, this is like international athletics for us, because we're racing against boys in the south. And we have this thing to do Belfast Pride. Two of the boys are prods. The rest of us are Catholics. It's a cross-community event. I suppose the good people in the site think this is great stuff. And let's get this wee team over from Belfast and all that patronizing shite. Anyway. We're through the border. The boys are all singing pop tunes and all. But I'm just on the back of the bus looking out the window. We're going through them mountains. You know where Mount Derrigal is and everything? It's a beautiful sight, though. Donegal has to be the most beautiful place in Ireland, I reckon. Aye. Anyway. We arrive at Guidor. What a place, and it's... Popping with about 200 boys in there, getting into their gear and limbering up. The whole event's run by Christian brothers and they're clipping young fellas around the back of the years, basically trying to retain some order. Our team goes off for a wee jog, stretch out the legs. We're surrounded by fields of barley. And I dip down into a wee valley where there's a stream and woods running through it. Woods in the stream are out of bounds, so naturally us Belfast boys have to go check them out. Woods in the stream, though, I'm sure that's like the Amazon to us. And we come across these young fellows from Cork. There's uh, some banter about our accents, but they could barely talk. We couldn't understand what they were saying. You get the idea that they're lording it over us a bit, you know? Looking down on us, I'm sensing it anyway. We're running along. And we come up with this idea to go down to the stream and check it out for fish. So we're down by the river, down the stream. 
There's half a foot of water in there. Little silver fish, but non-substantial. Till one of their boys calls us further down. Lying in the water is a wee foal. Four or five days old. He's all skin and bone, a grey colour. And he's got flecks of blood in his coat because he's cut himself up really badly on the sharp rocks. We're just standing over him and you can see his back leg snapped. And he's breathing. He's alive, but just about. So this big conversation gets started up between the boys who suddenly reckon themselves the leaders. They're deliberating as what we should do. Someone says, drop a rock in his head. I'm looking in their faces and I can see they're either scared stiff or clueless. It's all bravado. And this fool on the ground, in real pain. All this chit-chat going on, going nowhere. Next thing, one of the priests sees us, sees the fool, tells us not to move and we're done for. I mean, we're really done for. Group of boys will always get the blame for hurting a fool. Group of Belfast boys will get a hammering for sure. So it's clear to me in an instant, and I'm down on my knees, and I take the fool's head in my hands and I put him underwater. He's thrashing around a bit to start, so I press down harder until he's drowned. Priest arrives, though. He's grabbing me by the hair, dragging me through the woods, promising me a proper hiding. But I knew I did the right thing by that wee fool. And I could take the punishment for all our boys. I had the respect of them other boys now, and I knew that. I'm clear of the reasons, Dom. I'm clear of all the repercussions. But I will act, and I will not stand by and do nothing. You can leave them there if you like. Don't be rolling up the letters to St. John, do you? Couldn't have that on my conscience, no. I don't think I'm going to see you again, Bobby. There's no need, though. Thank <laughs> you. 